1: live coverage from ABC News. Here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. We're about to hear from White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer giving his daily briefing, and he is going to be speaking as word comes from Capitol Hill that the Senate Republicans have delayed a vote on their own health care bill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell leads a party too divided right now to pass its replacement for Obamacare, and Republican senators have been invited to the White House later today. ABC's Kenneth Moten is there. Uh, What's going to save this bill, Kenneth? Well, Aaron, I think some
2: cooperation by those and negotiations between the president and this White House and not only Senate GOP leaders, but also those senators who are going to vote, and those Republicans who have just been extremely hesitant. Um, No doubt about it, this delay is still... a big negative and a major blow to this White House who were just really trying to push along those negotiations, Aaron
1: And now uh, White House spokeswoman Sarah Sanders at the podium along with Energy Secretary Rick nice Perry.
3: Trial. I know everybody's excited about Energy Week. We certainly are here at the White House. Uh, and that's why we've got Secretary of Energy Rick Perry here to talk to you about what the President and others in the administration are doing all this week to emphasize our commitment to American energy dominance. And uh, he'll take some of your questions after that. And of course, I will be happy to step back up after that and answer questions on other uh, non-energy related topics. Ecstatic and uh, be to nice to him, he's from Texas, not quite Arkansas, but still a good neighbor. So. A
4: good neighbor. Okay. Sarah, thank you. And um, my privilege to uh, be here today to share with you a little bit of the observation that uh, I have uh, relative to Energy Week this week, the uh, Trump administration will bring together state, tribal, business, labor, all together, one room, happily sitting down and discussing um, how we're going to go forward, what the path forward is for U.S. energy dominance. and. President Trump wants America to achieve energy dominance by utilizing our abundant resources um, for good, both here and abroad. I think an energy dominant America means self-reliant, means a secure nation, free from the geopolitical turmoil of other nations who seek to use energy as an economic weapon. An energy-dominant America will export to markets around the world, increasing our global leadership and our influence. At DOE and across the administration, we're ending the bureaucratic blockade that has hindered American energy creation. You know, the United States has been a net energy exporter, uh, excuse me, a, a net energy importer since 1953 almost uh, almost as long as I've been alive Uh, but thanks to innovation technology advancements we're on the brink of changing this uh, and in very important elements of of an American energy portfolio. Ten years ago people would never have guessed that by 2018 the United States is expected to be a net energy exporter of natural gas. American companies can and already have exported U.S. LNG to our international trading partners in Europe and Asia. Unleashing our full energy potential in this country will lead to robust job growth and expansion in every sector of our economy. This week, we will also reaffirm our commitment to clean energy. That binary choice between pro-economy and pro-environment that has perpetuated, uh, or I should say, been perpetuated by the Obama administration has set up a false argument. The fact is, we can do good for both, and we will. There was one fact missing from the headlines about the US withdrawal from the Paris Agreement. That is, the United States already leads the world in lowering emissions. We've done this through innovation and technology, not by signing agreements. The Paris Agreement put the taxpayer on the hook for a costly deal. There was a billion dollars already out the door. Thankfully, this President has the good sense to step in before billions more had been committed. We've already seen the fruits of innovative, clean technology like CCUS, carbon capture utilization, sequestration. That Petronova plant just on the outskirts of Houston, Texas, uses a process to remove 90% of the carbon dioxide after coal is burned to generate energy in a clean way. Then it uses that captured carbon uh, for enhanced oil recovery. Instead of preaching about clean energy, this administration will act on it. I believe no clean energy portfolio is truly complete without nuclear power, and so does the President. If you want to see the environment and the climate that we live in affected in a positive way, you must include nuclear energy with its zero emissions in your portfolio. Do it safe, do it thoughtfully, do it economically. Under the leadership of the United States, the world can benefit from that. This administration believes that nuclear energy development can be a game changer and an important player in the development of our clean energy portfolio globally. I believe we can achieve this by focusing on the development of technology, for instance, advanced nuclear reactors, small modular reactors. Under President Trump's leadership, we will continue to advocate for a very broad, all-of-the-above energy portfolio to allow the United States to achieve energy independence, dramatically reducing our trade deficits, and create jobs beyond the 6.4 million Americans who are currently employed in that sector. We look forward to hearing from Americans this week about how we can best move forward to reduce unnecessary government regulation and bureaucracy to promote jobs and economic growth in the energy sector. For years they have been overregulated by Washington politicians and bureaucrats who believed they knew best. The lecturing is over with. And now it's time that we listen. With that I will attempt to uh, answer your questions.
5: On nuclear power, what specifically do you want to do to accelerate its development and as has been seen in Georgia, there are still problems. The Obama administration greenlighted two plants. They're bogged down, primarily because a lot of American companies haven't built a nuclear power plant in three decades. There's a technology gap there. So how do you deal with that, number yeah. one? And number two, if this administration does advance the production of nuclear power, does it believe Yucca Mountain needs to be opened up, or well, that needs to be reconsidered as a repository for nuclear
4: waste? Well, it's very, I think, a, a very astute question you ask about the issue. For 30 years, the supply chain basically was stagnant. Uh, it was allowed to, uh, to atrophy, if you will. Uh, this administration truly believes in an all-of-the-above approach, uh, allowing uh, nuclear energy to come and, and play an important role in a very diverse portfolio. So the idea that uh, overregulating uh, and an industry, uh, is, is, that is one of the challenges. And it's not just about the United States, from the standpoint of our being able to have an energy source uh, that is reliable, that is zero emission. It's about America maintaining or regaining, maybe a better word, our leadership role in nuclear energy, because the Russians and the Chinese are very actively uh, engaged in, uh, across the board, globally, to go put their technology to gain and leverage their political um, place, if you will, using nuclear energy as one of the uh, the levers. So this is a lot bigger issue than just allowing the United States a couple of plants in the southern part of the United States. It's a lot bigger than that. It's a lot bigger than than just making sure that Westinghouse continues to be a stable American company. This is a massively important issue for the security of America and the security for America's allies.
1: So we're going to take uh, that from uh, Rick Perry, who's uh, at the briefing room of the, the White Yon House, to Senate Majority he Leader Mitch McConnell, who's decided to, to delay a vote on health care. You're listening to live coverage All from ABC News
6: that we have that we're continuing to try to litigate. Uh, consequently, we will not be on the bill this week, but we're still working toward getting uh, at least 50 people in a comfortable place. We're going down to the White House at four o'clock. The President invited us to come down. The White House has been very much involved in these discussions. They're very anxious to help, and we appreciate the invitation, and I hope all of our members will head down. I think that will likely uh, be the case.
7: Well, the schedule may have changed a little bit, but one thing that hasn't changed, and that is Obamacare is collapsing. It is a failed system that needs to be replaced, and uh, we believe that the legislation that we're Uh, Trying to get up on the Senate floor and consider there uh, will take America in a better direction. It will help bring stability to the marketplace. It will bring affordability to people across this country who are suffering under the curse of high premiums and high deductibles and high out-of-pocket costs. uh, So much so that since 2013 in the individual market, uh, premiums across the country have literally more than doubled. That has to be addressed. Uh, we want to make sure that we are preserving the access that people have uh, to coverage for uh, pre-existing conditions. And uh, also we want to make sure that Medicaid is sustainable, not just for today but for the future as well, and that uh, we give states more flexibility to design programs that make sense for their populations. And seen many of the experiments and examples that have worked around the country where they're operating it in a much more cost-effective, efficient way, saving taxpayer dollars and delivering high- quality health care to the people in their individual states. Uh, those are our objectives in this, those continue to be our objectives, and uh, as I said, while schedule may have slipped a little bit, uh, we are intent on rescuing Americans from a failed system that has uh, driven up their costs and made it uh, more difficult for them to find
8: coverage. Uh, the pain of Obamacare continues to get worse around the country. I was in Wyoming this past weekend visiting a- a hospital talking to doctors and nurses and patients, so many of them impacted uh, in a bad way by the Obama health care law. I just had a woman in the office this morning from a small community uh, in Wyoming, lost her insurance when Obamacare came into play because it was good enough for her and her family but apparently it wasn't good enough for the Democrats. Uh, She now, she and her husband have a policy. It's expensive. It doubled in cost. Her deductible is $6,500 and she's for her as well as 6500 for her husband. She says he will not go to a doctor. He is counted as somebody insured under Obamacare, but according to them, he doesn't have usable insurance. The Republican proposal, there's a number of key points to it. We eliminate the dreaded mandates that people across the country hate that you have to buy a government-approved product. We eliminate all the taxes, and we return a lot of authority to individuals and states getting things out of Washington And I will tell you, when I was in the State Senate, we always felt that we could do a much better job with the same amount of money helping more people, more patients, more families with health care. We just had Washington not telling us how to do it because we knew better at home than people did in Washington. And that's how we feel it's very important in terms of putting Medicaid on a sustainable path for the future. The states need the authority to do it in the right way. Medicaid was initially set up to help for women children and the disabled, and it is taken in a direction way different than that with bonus payments to sign people up for Obamacare who are able-bodied, working-aged individuals. Finally, our proposal really focuses on this incredible high cost of insurance that people are faced with the doubling rates of Obamacare. What we uh, do looking at these rates, and the CBO has scored, it says actually lowers the rates for insurance 30 percent a couple of years from now. That's what people are screaming about at home. The increasing rates and the projections for next year are even higher under Obamacare. So Obamacare is a bus. It's going off a cliff. The Democrats are saying, stay on board. We're trying to rescue the American people from this bus that they're on.
1: Uh, live from the Capitol, Senate leadership taking questions now after delaying a vote no, on health care no, reform no, for lack of to talk votes.
6: That's a very complicated subject. I remember how challenging it was for the Democrats when they were enacting this uh, back in 2009 and 2010. It's a big, complicated subject. We've got a lot of discussions going on and we're still optimistic we're going to get there. They're not interested in participating in this. Leader McConnell, can
0: you address for a minute, though? I know that, you know,
7: the legislative process, you have to go back
8: and recalibrate these bills here.
7: But you spent a lot of time in private writing this bill. You dialed in your conference here. Isn't that
8: an indictment from what you put forth at this stage that it wasn't ready to go?
6: <laughs> no. Why not? No, it's an ongoing discussion. And uh, members have, want several of them want more time. Uh, we have... A number of different discussions going on that have been going on for six weeks now and they continue. This is a big complicated subject. If if none of you have ever covered a big complicated bill, they're they're hard to pull together and hard to pass. What did you learn uh,
4: about the process,
8: about being in this position so far, not done yet. Secondly, what should the president be doing at this point to get this bill passed? Well, he, the
6: president's been very involved over the last week, talking to members individually. Uh, he wanted to talk to all of us together today. I think that's helpful. And um, look, uh, legislation of, of this complexity Uh, Almost always takes longer than anybody else would hope, Uh, but we're going to press on. We think the status quo is unsustainable for all the obvious reasons we've discussed over and over and over again. And we're optimistic we're going to get to a result that's better than the status quo.
3: The President had referred to you largely on this legislation. Now that you have not accomplished it on your preferred time frame, is it going to be the President that takes it over the finish line? Is that his role? Well, we,
6: we always anticipated the President would be very important in getting us to a conclusion. After all, under our system, he's the man with the signature. And in the early stages, it would, candidly, have been kind of a waste of his time in the early stages. We needed to get this far enough down the path to where there were a few issues extant that needed to be closed, and we're delaying the process so that we can close those remaining issues, and he's fully engaged and being helpful in every way that he can, including the meeting this afternoon. Thanks a lot.
1: Live from the Capitol, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. He delayed a vote on The Republican plan to replace Obamacare, and he says that there are a few issues still to be negotiated. ABC's Megan Hughes is at the Capitol now. seems like there's more than a few issues for Republicans to sort out.
0: That's right, Aaron. And and the question this entire time has been how to balance this group of conservative Republican lawmakers that say this doesn't go far enough and this group of more centrist lawmakers who are concerned about deep Medicaid cuts in their states and if you give to one you may lose votes on the other side now obviously the president is trying to put as much pressure on as possible and a lot of members mcconnell said there did appeal to him for more time to go through this they didn't feel this was enough time so at least today he's giving them an olive branch to say i'm listening to you now let's try to move the ball forward with all of the power of the white house behind me
1: there's a big bus waiting outside the capitol to take republicans uh, down to the white house
0: right and and you heard mcconnell there in in his remarks urging all of the members to accept the president's invitation. The president has been reaching out to them over the weekend. The vice president and several White House officials meeting behind closed doors on Capitol Hill today. Now, you wonder substantively what's going to change to get some of these members on board, because right now it doesn't seem to be necessarily a problem just with the process. As I mentioned, some lawmakers wanting more time, but a lot of them have real substantive problems with this bill.
1: ABC's Megan Hughes at the Capitol, where Republican leader Mitch McConnell, for lack of votes, delayed a vote on the Senate health care plan to replace Obamacare. At the White House, the briefing is underway with Energy Secretary Rick Perry taking questions on what is supposed to be a focus on energy at the White House this week. Uh, President Trump has certainly been tweeting on a number of other things, and and health care is going to be his focus later today when he hosts Republican members of the Senate for some kind of discussion to see if they can move the ball forward. Republicans tried at least 54 times to repeal President Obama's health care law. Now they control all of Washington. Washington, Washington, they are still Washington. having Stand trouble doing it. I'm Aaron Katursky. So you're listening that. to live coverage from ABC okay. News. Let's, let's get back to the White House okay. now, where Energy Secretary Rick Perry committee. is said, in the briefing room taking theory. questions said, from said, reporters before Sarah Sanders, the White House spokeswoman, uh, we takes additional questions on a range of topics. Okay,
4: you're up. Hand, Secretary,
7: uh, Secretary Perry, thanks for being here. I want to ask you about coal specifically. The EPA Administrator, Scott Pruitt, earlier this month said... And he was quoting, he appeared to be quoting the Department of Labor Statistics. He said, very simply, the U.S. has added almost 50,000 jobs in the coal sector. In fact, the coal portion he was referring to since the fourth quarter, in fact, the coal portion itself has only grown 2,400 jobs. And in the last month, it only grew 400. There are only a total of 51,000 coal jobs in this country right now. So is it misleading American? Well, Energy is
1: Secretary Rick Perry continues Americans to take questions the at the White Trump House before right Sarah Huckabee Sanders steps to the podium. What uh, happened Senate in the last uh, Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer has uh, decided to come out to talk to reporters about, about the health care bill that will be delayed no until after the July 4th recess. Working Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer now as you're listening to live coverage from Trump ABC News.
9: Republicans were in their lunch with Steve Wynn, a multibillionaire, who would have benefited with a huge tax cut. We're talking about average American working people. They're talking about multi-billionaires. That's why they're in such trouble. That is why they're in such trouble, because their bill is aimed at helping the very wealthy, whereas we are trying to hurt, to help American families. We know the fight is not over, that is for sure. We're not resting on any laurels, nor do we feel any sense yet of accomplishment, other than we are making progress because the American people are listening to our arguments. Over the next couple of weeks, we know that Leader McConnell will try to use a slush fund to buy off Republicans, cut backroom deals to try and get this thing done. So we're going to watch this bill and all the machinations, closed door, behind closed doors as they might be like a hawk. But the truth is, as CBO made clear yesterday, the Republicans cannot excise the rotten core at the center of their health care bill. No matter what tweaks they may add in the next week and a half, no matter how the bill changes around the edges, it is fundamentally flawed at the center. The American people don't want Medicaid slashed. They don't want help, they don't want the help they need to fight opioid addiction. To help their parents in nursing homes. To help those with pre-existing conditions. And just to help the average person who needs good health care. The American people don't want all that changed and eliminated. The Republican bill is rotten at the core. The American people are not for big tax breaks to the wealthiest of Americans, nor are they for dramatically cutting their health care. That's why the bill has about 17% popularity in America, and even Trump voters don't like it. That is not going to change with any little tweak that wins over this senator or that, no matter what last minute amendments are offered. The bill will force Americans to spend more of their paychecks on health care, to receive fewer benefits, so that the wealthiest Americans pay less in taxes. Until Republicans abandon that core, that core, that rotten core, they're not going to succeed in winning the American people over, and it makes it much less likely that they'll succeed in getting a bill done a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. The ultimate reason this bill failed. Is because the American people just didn't like it. It's not what America stands for. Now you say, well, will you work with your Republican colleagues? We want to, and we have two suggestions. First, abandon tax breaks for the wealthy, abandon cuts to Medicaid, abandon repeal. And we can sit down and talk about improving health care. We think the ACA has done good. We're the first to say it needs further improvement. We want to sit down and talk to you about it. But we're not going to be in a position where we say, okay, only 15 million people will be uncovered, we'll support that bill. Billionaires will only get a $40,000 tax break instead of a $57,000 tax break. That's not the kind of compromise we're talking about. They really need some structural revision. And we have a second suggestion for our Republican colleagues to work with us abandon the closed door secret process they have used. Go to regular order, have committee hearings, allow amendments, and go back to the idea that you need 60 votes, a bipartisan majority to pass a bill, and we can start over again and work together and try to get some improvements in our health care system. But if our Republican colleagues stick to this base bill, which so hurts working families which so benefits multi-millionaires and them almost alone we're going to fight the bill tooth and nail and we have a darn good chance of defeating it a week from now a month from now a year from now senator durbin
1: live from the Capitol, that's you know, democratic leader chuck Bush schumer ...reacting to the, the decision House, by the Senate Republican really majority to delay vote a vote on health care because of too many Republican defections. Today, Meantime, at the, the White, White House, we America are expecting Sarah Huckabee, Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary, to or deputy secretary, press secretary, to take questions on all of these matters, but first... Energy Secretary Rick Perry has been at the podium answering questions about the nation's energy policy under President Trump, and that continues.
3: You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. Listen, I don't,
4: uh, I, I don't have any reason to be different from you that that think and know that there are uh, cyber actors out there, cyber terrorists. Uh, they may or may not work with nation states. They may be. Uh, uh, lone-type ranger uh, attackers, if you will, uh, that would try to get in uh, to hold companies, countries hostage in some form or fashion. So, um, you know, whether it's a particular um, country, you know, I I don't have any uh, reason to to point at one country and say this one is, um, you know, we know that they're involved in certain places in the world. They're out there. Instead of worrying about who they are and what's going on, uh, and and here in a a public uh, setting, doing the work to make sure, as he asked, and he made a point about having the best security that we can, have the best defenses that we can to be able to identify and to protect our our grid. Secretary,
1: Secretary Secretary Secretary
3: Secretary Secretary thank you. You've
0: mentioned the Paris Climate Agreement a number of times. President Trump said he wanted to get a better deal. Has he or you or anyone in this administration begun that process, and do you think it's possible, given that a number of leaders have said it's a deal that can't be renegotiated? i
4: I'm pretty sure the President of the United States wakes up every day thinking about how to get a better deal in a host of different things. Specifically to that, I never said, Mr. President, let's talk about what the better deal is. Uh, With that said, I don't have a problem whether it was renegotiation of NAFTA, which some of you have been around here long enough to know that I was involved with the original um, NAFTA uh, negotiations. And I think, you know, uh, renegotiate the deal, get a better one. That's what President Trump does. Uh, That's his mindset. And I think our allies and our those that may not be our allies need to understand that uh, that's where we're going
5: to be coming no from. Yes. Mr. Secretary, you mentioned that you did this work in Texas. Uh, what do you see as the role you you've mentioned at greater length, whether it's um, fracking or clean coal, as you cited it, or nuclear? Where do you see the role for renewables moving forward from this administration?
4: I think the uh, renewables are. Uh, proving themselves to be a valuable part of a, a diverse portfolio. So I, I feel I'll expect solar and uh, wind and maybe some forms of energy that we don't even know yet. And that, that one of our, you know, extraordinary uh, national labs is being looked at right now that may give us some potentials that we don't even realize we have. Yes, ma'am, we'll right have in the
5: another question about uh, jobs, because that's where a lot of the jobs are happening now, especially seeing solar and wind. So, do you see this as a growth for America, for the American job market? Sure,
0: yes. sir. I want to go back to a piece that willis really has not been talked about: the issue of coal. Um, there are some uh, critics who are saying this administration <coughs> wants to make coal great again. Talk, t- talk to me about and us about your plans with coal. Um, it is, it is basically being wanted by many countries around the world, and we still have yet to figure out a clean enough use for it as you're dealing with climate change issues.
4: Well, I'm not sure if I agree with your observation that we haven't figured out a, a, a clean use for coal yet from the clean standpoint clean it, Well, there, there's some that, that you can't make it clean enough, so I, and I guess that's who I'm referencing to. But when you can take 90 percent uh, and upwards of the CO2 out of the air when you're burning coal, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how high you have to raise the bar to make some people uh, happy. With that said, let me, let me share with you some of the things that we're seeing in our national labs, for instance, being able to uh, – coal is, is, a, is, is the, uh, the root source of rare earth minerals. Uh, and, and if we hadn't done this work on clean coal technology, we would not have realized that there are ways that we can extract these rare earth minerals out of coal, coal ash. And, and so, again, I ask people to be open-minded about innovation. You all remember 15 years ago, and we were hearing this fellow travel around the country giving a speech about peak oil. We had found all the oil there was. Sarah, you, your dad and I went to lots of Republican governors uh, meetings and, and one of them, this guy, came and gave the speech, and he said, we've found all the fossil fuels. All the oil and gas has been found. It's a downward slope. It is That's a fact. Subtle science may have been his word. I don't recall that, but, uh, but he, he might have said that. That was the point, though, that all the oil and gas had been found, except George Mitchell didn't read the... He didn't read that, didn't believe that. Innovation, technology, drives this country it always has. And I think we ought to be a little skeptical when somebody says this is the end of this, this is bad. It's okay to ask those questions. So my point is that with coal, there may be some uses of coal that we never even dreamed of before that can really make a big difference. Because when you think about the rare earth minerals that are controlled by Countries outside of the United States. And our being able to come up with the technology to retrieve those may be a real game changer. So, with that, and, sir,
0: I'm one, uh, one last question, sir. Yes? Um, you're a former governor, and um, people are talking about states as it relates to uh, repeal and replace
9: Obamacare. If you had mm-hmm. states' rights, so, so thank you.
4: By and large, I wasn't going to talk about anything outside of energy, but You've touched on one of my favorite subjects. And that is federalism. And I had I Yeah, here we go. You asked. I mean, thank you ma'am. Thank you ma'am. So, I happen to believe that the states are laboratories of innovation. Just I mean they're innovators just like we have at our national labs. I mean, governors I think have within their states and their right, young people who work with them in the private sector, they will come up with ways to deliver health care that can put more people under coverage for less money and give options to their citizens. I know for a fact that Connecticut is not like Texas. They're just not. And to say that Washington DC can come up with a one-size-fits-all solution to health care that's going to address all of this and do it in, a, in, in an economically feasible, thoughtful way is just so much nonsense. It, it, it's just, you know that's not true. Let the states have this Medicaid uh, opportunity. The ones that want it, if, if somebody says, oh, I'd rather have Washington take care of me, then that's okay, that's their call. But the states ought to be given the opportunity. And I will suggest to you, you can save substantial amounts of money, come up with options for their citizens that are substantially better for the citizens of their state and save this country mountains of money.
8: Mr. Secretary, going back to the threats against the power grid, what about the threats of an EMP attack? What are the steps being
2: taken to prevent against that or to protect against that sort of attack?
4: I think our national labs are looking at all options, that being one of them.
1: Um, One so quick follow-up on your comments earlier about Westinghouse being <coughs> a stable and American company. Uh, obviously, it's been <coughs> owned by Toshiba for more than a decade now, but Westinghouse is in the middle of these bankruptcy proceedings, um, and several buyers are on the
5: market. Uh, you, sir, you sit on CFIUS. Are you saying that you would block efforts by any foreign company to purchase what remains of Westinghouse Electric?
4: I know the process. And that is a classified piece of information that I would not give here.
7: Mr. Secretary, if I follow on uh, cyber security, have you been given reports about a, a current uh, cyber break-in at a number of U.S. nuclear plants? It's been confirmed by the grid uh, monitor. The investigation, I think, is uh, code name Nuclear 17. Do you have any information about that? No, sir.
9: Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Um, this morning, President Macron of France called... President Trump and invited him to come to Bastille Day July 14th. Do you see this as a way that the French are taking up his suggestion for negotiating a new climate change agreement? And would you urge him to make the trip?
4: I would always look at an invitation to a party as a good thing.
3: You're very enthusiastic about nuclear power and the potential that it has. A lot of people are still scared of nuclear power because of nuclear waste and nuclear plant (laughs) safety. And this has been happening since the 60s, when one television documentarian said that really it hasn't changed in terms of what we know to do with nuclear waste, which isn't much. Can you assure the American people that nuclear waste and nuclear plant safety are such that we should expand nuclear power in this country?
4: You know, I would would reflect that or deflect that if he was here to President Macron of uh, France, who gets 70 plus percent of their power from nuclear energy. Now this is the country that wouldn't buy Texas beef for some reason, (laughs) yet 76 percent of their energy comes from nuclear power. So the French, who I've always thought were a little bit, you know, different, and that's in a good way. You know, they, they recognized us as a state back in the 1830s. So we actually have a really close personal relationship with the French. We like them. We had an embassy in Paris. They had one in Austin. As a matter of fact, it's still there, called the French Legation. I invite all of you to come and see it. But the French are a little different when it comes to some things. And one of those, I would find it really interesting that our French friends are very comfortable getting 76 percent, thereabouts, of their energy from nuclear, and I can assure you they're very fond of getting it at the rate they're getting it. Can
3: I ask you a question about Yucca Mountain, please? Uh, Yucca question, please? One right over last here. question. Oh, I've been so bad
4: to this side. You're, you're it. You're the last question. Yes, sir. Secretary,
7: thank you. You mentioned uh, federalism, the power of governors. Uh, Recently, as you know, the Trump administration has scrapped the clean power plan, which was hampering many states. Uh, Now you've got governors, who you just said have certain authority. You've got governors that are saying, we're going to go ahead and institute the clean power plan in our states anyway, regardless of what the EPA says. Doesn't that put those states at a tremendous economic Disadvantage. And what would be your message, sir, to those governors?
4: I think governors and their citizens need to be given that uh, right to make those decisions. I said many times that I thought that, uh, you know, Colorado was wrong in allowing for the uh, use of marijuana, which they've decided to do. But that's their call. I will defend that right um, robustly. <laughs> But that ought to be their call. I mean, if, if they want to put it, I mean, Jerry Brown, we were together at the, in China, at Beijing, for the Clean uh, Energy Ministerial. Uh, we saw each other, shook hands walked as we were going by. Jerry's decided he wants his state to be involved with the Paris Agreement, however that works, which is fine. That's his call. Texas will still be there to take any businesses that uh, would like to relocate. And that's the beauty of all of this allow America to be competitive, allow Americans to pick and choose where they want to live, under what types of of governments, and we'll figure it out. But this idea that we're going to have one-size-fits-all out of Washington, D.C. One of the reasons I came to serve with President Trump was because I knew he believed in that, and he believes in competition, and the future of America is brighter. Because we have a president who believes in American exceptionalism, America competition, and making America great again. Thank you.
1: Live from the White House, that's Energy Secretary Rick Perry taking a I number think, of questions uh, before question the or briefing or not, uh, with Sarah Secretary, Huckabee Sanders, uh, the Deputy uh, Press Secretary. Uh, you continue sure. to be listening to live coverage from team, ABC News. Probably
3: for another day, uh, on top of Energy Week and everything that Secretary Perry and other Cabinet members have on the agenda for that. We've got a full schedule of events and actions from the President's Cabinet today on everything from global human trafficking to assistance funding for small communities. This morning, Ivanka Trump joined Secretary Tillerson at a State Department event releasing the 2017 Trafficking in Persons Report. As Ivanka said this morning, human trafficking is a human rights issue. That affects millions, and this report is an important tool for the administration to combat this tragic problem. The full report is available on the State Department website. I encourage you guys to take a look. Also this morning, the Department of Veterans Affairs Secretary Shulkin hosted a meeting of robotics experts for a robotics and healthcare roundtable. The VA is embarking on the largest transformation and modernization effort in recent history. And part of that will be developing a robust robotics program within the department. Yesterday, the Interior Department announced a record $464.6 million allocation to help small communities further demonstrating the Trump administration's commitment to all Americans. In states like Utah, which received nearly $40 million, and Nevada, which received $26.2 million, these investments are an important part of the federal government's role as land manager and neighbor to local communities, including many of those that play a big role in feeding and powering our nation. Many of these small communities in states like Nevada are also being hit particularly hard as health care insurance premiums rise and insurers flee their Obamacare exchanges. It's because of the people who will have no choice for themselves or their families that it's so critical that the Senate votes to repeal and replace Obamacare. Every day, a new announcement is made that puts health insurance out of reach for thousands of Americans, whether insurers are hiking up rates or leaving markets entirely. Today, the Vice President is on the Hill to attend the Senate policy lunch and hold additional meetings, and he'll be hosting senators at dinner tonight in his residence. Both the President and the Vice President are fully engaged with the Senate and are helping to create a consensus that will push this bill over the finish line. As Sean said yesterday, the President talked extensively with several Republican members over the weekend, including Senators Cruz, Paul, Capito, and Johnson. He spoke to Senator McConnell this morning, and he's invited all Republican senators to the White House later this afternoon to continue these discussions. The President is optimistic that Republicans will live up to the promise that they've been making to the American people for seven years by repealing and replacing Obamacare. I know you guys are probably a little bit tired since we've been here a while, so do you want to skip on the questions? <laughs> <laughs> I figured, figured it was worth a shot. Yeah. Uh, and with that, I'll take your questions. Uh, Charlie.
2: Uh, recently, Breitbart News uh, challenged the accuracy of the CNN story, and afterwards it was retracted Um, Deleted and the editors responsible were fired, as as well as the network apologized for the story. Um, The target of this one of the targets of the story, except the apology, the president went on Twitter this morning and repeated that CNN was fake news. Why isn't their response good enough for the president?
3: Uh, I I don't know that it's that the response isn't good enough for the president. Uh, I think it's the constant barrage of fake news directed at this President, probably, that uh, has garnered a lot of his frustration. Um, You point to that report. Uh, There are multiple other instances where uh, that outlet that you referenced has been repeatedly wrong and had to point that out or be corrected. Uh, There's a video circulating now, whether it's accurate or not. Uh, I don't know, but I would encourage everybody in this room and, frankly, everybody across the country to take a look at it. Uh, I think if it is accurate, I think it's a disgrace to all of media, to all of journalism. I think that we have gone to a place where uh, if the media can't be trusted to report the news, then that's a dangerous place for America. And I think if that is the place that certain outlets are going, particularly, uh, for the purpose of spiking ratings. And if that's coming directly from the top, I think that's even more scary uh, and certainly more disgraceful. And I hope that that's not the direction we're headed. I hope that uh, outlets that have continued to use either unnamed sources, sometimes stories with no sources at all. Uh, We've been going on this Russia-Trump hoax for the better part of a year now with no evidence of anything. Uh, Things like the success at the VA barely get covered. They may get covered for an hour at a time, but this story gets covered day in, day out. And I think America is frankly looking for something better. They're looking for something more. uh, And I think they deserve something better from our news media.
9: Does
2: the the President actually expect us not to report on stories of a foreign country trying to influence the presidential election?
3: Uh, I, I don't think it's that it's expected that you're not to report on, um, again, actual news if there's something there. But again, I, I think that there are a lot of things happening in this world that, frankly, a lot of people would like to hear about, whether it's job growth, whether it's deregulation, whether it's tax reform, health care. I think a lot of those things deserve a lot more coverage than they get. And all we're saying is, You know, I think that we should take a really good look at what we are focused on, what we are covering, and making sure that it's actually accurate and it's honest. If we make the slightest mistake, the slightest word is off, it is uh, just an absolute tirade from a lot of people in this room, but news outlets get to go on day after day and Cite unnamed sources, use uh, stories without sources, have, uh, you know, you mentioned the Scaramucci story sure, they where they had to have reporters resign. Come on.
5: You're inflaming everybody
7: right here, right now, with those words. You, you, this administration has done that as well. Why in the name of heavens? Any one of us, right, are replaceable, and any one of us, if we don't get it right, The audience has the opportunity to turn the channel or not read us. I think you have been elected to serve for four years at least, there's no option other than that. We're here to ask you questions. We're here to provide the answers, and what you just did is inflammatory to people all over the country who look at it and say, see, once again, the President is right and everybody else out here is fake media. And everybody in this room is only trying to do their job.
3: I, I just I, I disagree completely. First of all, I think if anything has been inflamed, uh, it's the dishonesty that often takes place by the news media. And I think it is outrageous for you to uh, accuse me of inflaming a story when I was simply trying to respond to his question, Kevin. Sarah. Thank
8: you, Sarah. I just uh, rapid fire because I know we're, uh, we've had a bit of a long briefing here. <coughs> would it be fair to uh, let me ask you this way? How would you describe the president's mood on health care? Uh, concerned, uh, still encouraged. And uh, what did you make of the CBO score, uh, if you talked to him about that? And then, secondly, i want to ask you about uh, the warning to Syria. What's the message that the administration wants to convey, not just to the world community, but also to the American people who see headlines like that and they wonder, are we hurtling headlong into a major situation in that part of the
3: world? Uh, I'll start with healthcare first. Uh, obviously, we're continuing to be optimistic. The President is committed, as he said, uh, and all the members of the administration have said repeatedly to repealing and replacing Obamacare, working with the Senate, working with the House, making sure we get the best bill. Uh, for us, it's never been about the timeline, but about getting the best piece of legislation that helps the most Americans. Um, and that's what we're continuing to do day in, day out. That's the reason the President has asked members of the Senate to come here today, uh, so that we, they can talk through that, so that they can figure out the best way to move the ball forward. That's the goal of the meeting this afternoon, uh, and that's the goal of the administration. In terms of uh, the CBO score, Uh, As we said yesterday, the CBO is a budget office, and while it does uh, very well at times uh, predicting things on budget, whether it's revenue or spending, uh, I don't think it does a great job. And I think the administration's been clear uh, and consistent that we don't always agree that it does a great job predicting coverage. I think we saw that. Given their history, they uh, projected that um, Obamacare, there would be 24 million people that were part of that. There were only 11, uh, and that number is dropping every day. Uh, So I I don't have a lot of confidence in that number uh, on that part, but I do think that some of the places where they do a good job, again, are on the budget and the revenue side. And the CBO score that they pointed out was that it would cut deficits by $300 billion and cut taxes by $700 billion. I think those are good things, and I think when they focus on the budget side, that's probably a good thing. And I think you had a second part. Sorry. Uh,
8: The warning to Syria. What's your message uh, to the international community and uh, Mm -hmm. also to the American people who may be concerned when they read a headline like that, that they're thinking, well, we may be hurtling toward A situation that involves the U.S.
3: in that part of the world? Uh, I think that the message from the statement yesterday um, was extremely clear. I don't think it was a gray area, it was pretty black and white. Major.
5: Can you explain, because you went on the record this morning, what the process was that led to that statement last night? Were members of the team at the State Department or the Defense Department taken aback by that statement, or were they fully involved? Can you give us an idea of how? The process internally worked to deliberate that statement and then create the statement for public release.
3: I can tell you that uh, leadership from the State Department, uh, DOD, DNI, the CIA, uh, as well as members of the administration within this building uh, were part of that process from the very beginning and fully aware.
5: Timeline from the very beginning was that a yesterday? or? A I'm split? not going to
3: walk through uh, the detailed process of a timeline on how that was released for intelligence and purposes.
5: You just said you accept or find valid the CBO numbers on the budget side. Is that yeah, true there are, for
3: there are, there are, I mean, they're a budget yesterday, they're a budget office, uh, and I think on the initial numbers that we saw. Uh, from that, the cutting of the deficit, the cutting of taxes. I think that that's where historically they've been more accurate as well. It's not just my, you know, like I've decided that, but historically that's and where they've been.
5: Of, of the public looking at this, would this administration accept the budget and revenue numbers that were published yesterday as, generally speaking, valid and 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 worth taking seriously? Uh,
3: I would think so for the most part. I think um, in in large, yes, Jennifer. Two things: one on Google and one on the economic forecast. So, European officials have slapped Google with this 2.7 million dollar fine. Is the White House cool with European regulators hitting a U.S. company with a fine when our own Federal Trade Commission hasn't accused them of, of, you know, anti-competitive <coughs> behavior? At this point, I don't have anything uh, for us to weigh in on. Uh, the regulations of a private company, but if anything changes, I'll let you know, okay, Kristen. On oh, on the, sorry. On the international monetary fund, so they lowered their forecast for U.S. Uh, economic growth down to 2.1%, which is lower than what the president has been for. Can you share some reaction on on what you think about this new IMF forecast? I haven't had a chance to dig into that, but. Uh, We'll certainly circle back with you on it. Jim Stenson. You called on me, Sarah. Oh, sorry. Jim, let me take Kristen. I did call on her, and I'll come back to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. If Syria is
0: poised to launch another chemical weapons attack, isn't that an acknowledgement that the airstrikes in April didn't work, Sarah? Uh,
3: Look, I think that um, our goal every day is to do what we can to protect Life in all forms, and um, to take steps to move the ball forward in defeating ISIS, <coughs> defeating all um, efforts of terrorism. And I think the statement yesterday
0: helped do that. Why will a paper statement work, though, when airstrikes didn't dissuade Bashar <coughs> al Assad? Uh,
3: I don't know that it didn't, uh, based on what we know at this point.
0: And, and just to follow up very quickly was there a principles meeting? Uh, a deputy's meeting before that statement was issued by Sean Spicer last night. Uh,
3: I know that there was a routine meeting that took place yesterday. I don't believe that that there was uh, anything beyond that yesterday,
0: yeah,
5: Jim.
3: There are two
8: questions, just like NBC. Given the, <laughs> given the news
3: about CNN, be ar- careful letting NBC set your standard <laughs> <laughs>
8: Given the news about CNN's uh, erroneous story about Anthony Scaramucci, does the White House believe there are other Russia-related stories from major outlets? that have not been retracted and are just as false, including the February 14th story in the New York Times about collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, which James Comey called into question, which many believe the CNN story was based upon. Uh,
3: I would have to look back at that specific story. There have been many uh, by the New York Times that I would probably disagree quite a bit with. Uh, I think you could take it pretty uh, straightforward that this administration disagrees with all of the stories that claim that the President and his campaign colluded with Russia in any capacity. So um, I think he's been extremely clear uh, that he believes that's a hoax, and certainly something that's not true and didn't take place. And any story related to that, uh, you would, I think, find frustration from this team here. CNN retraction. The uh,
8: does the White House now believe the news media have an obligation to review stories on the Russian uh, Trump uh, issue and retract questionably sourced stories on the topic.
3: I, I'm sorry, I'm not calling the. Do
8: you believe that uh, the media should go back and look at anonymously sourced stories on Russia and Trump, and you know maybe start a review process and retract where necessary?
3: I think that'd be a great idea. I I certainly don't think that you would get arguments from us if there were retractions from outlets on uh, fake stories. But I also think that, you know, there's a moment where we can all do better. And I certainly think that's what we strive to do every day. And hopefully that's the goal. uh, I know it is of many. And hopefully it will continue to be of not just the news media, but everybody involved in the process to continue to do better, to continue to strive for excellence and to continue to deliver the best we can for the American people. Okay, hey, so you accept the budgetary um, calculations of the CBO, but not the projections on how many people would be insured. What about their uh, projections on what would happen to premiums and deductibles? Is that something you accept or not? Accept? Uh, I, I mean, I think they said yesterday that the premiums would go down roughly 30 uh, percent by 2020. That seems, mm-hmm. based on uh, what we've done internally, pretty consistent. Well, so. They would go way up. The only acceptance would be going down. No, but I think in general and largely they predicted that they'd go down 30% by 2020. Okay, and then another question. Um, The president promised that his health care plan would not have cuts to Medicaid. Does he believe that a family of four making $60,000 makes too much money?
0: to qualify for Medicaid, in other words, that that's just too high in income to be getting Medicaid.
3: I, I, I don't know about a specific like level breakdown. And again, there's a reason he's bringing senators over here today to talk through. We know there's going to be changes. We know there's going to be adjustments. The thing that the president was committed to is making sure that anybody that currently receives Medicare, uh, that's not Medicaid. Sorry, Medicaid that's not touched and. Uh, that is consistent with what's in the bill, and that'll continue to be what he fights for. Yeah. Yeah. Does he
2: believe? Yeah. He said the House bill was too mean. Does he believe that the Senate bill is less mean,
3: as mean, more mean? Like, what does he think? I, I honestly haven't asked him whether or not he thinks the Senate bill, uh, the mood of it yet, but I'll, I'll check on that more and get back to you. Thanks, guys, so much. Have a good day. Live from the White House, spokesman
1: Sarah Sanders, who said President Trump is still optimistic about health care reform, despite a decision today from Senate Republicans to delay a vote for lack of support. A group of senators was invited to the White House this afternoon due to arrive about a half hour from now. Sanders questioned the assessment of the Congressional Budget Office that said 22 million Americans would lose coverage over the next decade, but she endorsed its budget and revenue numbers that showed a drop in the deficit. I'm Aaron Katursky. You're listening to live coverage from ABC News. Straight back to the White House with ABC's Kenneth Moten. Kenneth.
2: Aaron, a number of big topics here for Sarah Huckabee Sanders to discuss, um, which is why I believe that we had this on-camera briefing today. The White House has been a, just a flurry of activity, especially in the past few hours, especially since it came out that the health care uh, GOP debate and bill would be delayed or a vote on that bill. Um, here is what I think. I think that when we know when it comes to this president um, who wants heart That's the optimal word here, Aaron Hart, in this Senate GOP health care plan. It's the same thing he wanted from the House version of this bill. And this is what we saw. What does Hart detail? What's going to be in this bill now um, as negotiations will start, as those GOP senators make their way down Pennsylvania Avenue What, 52 of them who are loading up into uh, buses and a caravan that we're seeing live here at the Capitol coming down to the White House to talk with the president. As Sarah Huckabee Sanders just said, there are going to be changes. There are going to be adjustments. At this point, this is President Trump's show. He is now the coach who will be, as Mitch McConnell put it, will have to figure out the best way to move this ball forward, to move this, uh, to get this vote on this health care plan to get it passed in the Senate so then it could go back to the House and then there could be reconciliation so that eventually they can get a repeal and replace on the president's desk. That's the goal here. But when you have cuts to Medicaid that obviously these senators have issues with for their constituents, when you have a number of uh, issues with this bill that need to be hammered out, you can't do that in a few days before the July 4th recess then some time is needed, but the clock is definitely ticking, and this is definitely Mr. Trump's show when it comes to this health care bill, Aaron.
1: ABC's Kenneth Moten at the White House, where the spokeswoman declined to characterize how President Trump feels about the current bill after he criticized the House version as too mean. She also declined to elaborate on the White House warning that Syria would pay a heavy price for another mass murder using chemical weapons. I'm Aaron Katursky, you've been listening to live coverage from ABC News. ABC News,
5: Honored. Winner for the third straight year with the Edward R. Murrow Award for Overall Excellence in Television and Radio. ABC News, America's number one news choice.
9: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.